You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God about the Lord's Supper and then specifically about the self-examination as they summarize Lord's Day 30 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Let us now read from the Bible, from the Word of God, in connection with that, from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 17 to 34. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Let us now read Lord's Day 30 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What difference is there between the Lord's Supper and the Papal Mass? The Lord's Supper testifies to us first that we have complete forgiveness of all our sins, through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which he himself accomplished on the cross once for all. And second, that through the Holy Spirit we are grafted into Christ, who with his true body is now in heaven, at the right hand of the Father, and this is where he wants to be worshipped. But the Mass teaches first that the living and the dead do not have forgiveness of sins through the suffering of Christ, unless he is still offered for them daily by the priests. And second, that Christ is bodily present in the form of bread and wine, and there is to, and there is to be worshipped. Therefore, the Mass is ba- basically nothing but a denial 
of the one sacrifice and suffering of Jesus Christ and an accursed idolatry. Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins, and yet trust that these are forgiven them, and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and amend their life. But hypocrites and those who do not repent eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Are those also to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who by their confession and life show that they are unbelieving and ungodly? No, for then the covenant of God will be profaned and his wrath kindled against the whole congregation. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and his apostles, the Christian church is duty-bound to exclude such persons by the keys of the kingdom of heaven until they amend their lives. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the previous Lord's Days, Lord's Day 28, 29, the Catechism spoke about the Lord's Supper, about the signs and the seals of the Lord's Supper. And now in Lord's Day 30, the Catechism tells us how we must celebrate Lord's Supper. An important part of that is the self-examination. Self-examination, that is what we must do every time before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, because then the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper mentions it explicitly. But it is not only then that we should do it, we should do it continually, every day again. But sometimes what is said about the self-examination can scare Christians. Some Christians, they don't dare to come up to the Lord's Supper anymore because, well, maybe they did not examine themselves well enough. Maybe they did not see all their sins. Maybe also they don't have a strong enough faith to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Maybe the Holy Spirit did not work in their hearts and you should not eat and drink judgment upon yourself. But then we must know, brothers and sisters, that the Bible tells us that we must indeed examine ourselves. But we also must celebrate the Lord's Supper. It is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ, who says, Take the bread and eat it, and also the cup, take it, drink from it, all of you, and remember and believe. It's a command. So we must celebrate the Lord's Supper. We read it this afternoon in 1 Corinthians 11. In verse 28, there Paul says, A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Paul does not say that we must examine ourselves if we can eat from the bread and drink from the cup. No, there is no choice. We cannot choose either to examine ourselves or to stay away. No, we must examine ourselves and we must celebrate the Lord's Supper. The result of self-examination must always be that we celebrate. And when we examine ourselves, then we will celebrate the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. 
But if we don't examine ourselves, then we will desecrate the Lord's Supper. Whether we go to the Lord's Supper or not, whether we celebrate or not. Because also, if we are disobedient to the commandment of the Lord, and we don't go, then also we can despise the sanctity of the sacraments, and then also we can desecrate the Holy Supper because we think it is not important enough or whatever reason that the Holy Supper is not for us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, it is a command from God to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And it is also a command of God to do it in a worthy manner. Therefore, the theme for the sermon this afternoon is celebrating the Lord's Supper as a holy supper requires self-examination. And the first, if we examine ourselves, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. The second, if we don't examine ourselves, we will desecrate the Lord's Supper. So celebrating the Lord's Supper as a holy supper that requires self-examination. And if we examine ourselves, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. To celebrate the Lord's Supper, we must know what we are doing. And those who are not able yet to know what they are doing, those who do not understand yet what self-examination means, that's, that it is that you must, sh- that you must know your sin and misery, that you must know that only through Christ you are saved from your sins and misery, and that you must also feel in your heart the willingness to show your thankfulness to God. Those who are not able yet to understand what it means, they must, through the way of instruction, through the parents at school, in catechism classes, come to the right understanding of what it means to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that is also a calling from God. God calls you, brothers and sisters, God calls you, young people, you boys and girls, to learn much about Him. Not to delay that, but to learn, to be eager to learn about Him, about your salvation, so that the sooner the better you know what it means to be part of the covenant, and so that you will prepare yourselves for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. God calls you to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and it has to go in the way of preparation for it through instruction in the Christian doctrine, through catechism classes, and through public profession of faith. Self-examination is preparation for the Lord's Supper. You don't celebrate the Lord's Supper because you are good enough, but because you realize your sin and misery. You see the need for your salvation and the strengthening of your faith, and you are thankful for your salvation. Self-examination, in fact, it means having faith. True faith. That not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation. As we know from Lord's 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism, what is true faith? Examining yourself with God's word as your guide. When you examine yourself, then you should ask yourself if you do believe God's promises. That Christ also died for you. And that you also have the forgiveness of sins. And that you also, only through Christ, are righteous. Self-examination is in fact the question if you believe and accept everything that God teaches you and promises you in His Word. 
And there are so many other questions which can arise in your heart or in your mind. But all those questions, you can struggle with all those questions, but the only important question is, do I have faith in Jesus Christ? Or in other words, do I believe that he died for me? That he gave his life for me to give me eternal life? That is the promise of the gospel. That is the central message of the Bible. That is what we must believe. And therefore, knowledge of God's word is of tremendous tremendous importance. If we don't read the Bible, if we are not faithful in reading the Bible, we cannot celebrate the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Because the Lord's Supper is a sacrament, which God added to the preaching of the gospel. Without the word of God being preached to us here in church, and also reading the word of God at home, without that we cannot understand the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And therefore, brothers and sisters, to examine yourselves, you must start with reading the Bible. Not just the week before the Lord's Supper, but continually, every day of your lives. Just as you cannot miss, you cannot do one day without your daily bread and drink, without breathing. In the same way, you cannot miss your spiritual food and drink either, which you receive from God in His Word. And we should help and encourage one another in reading and studying the Bible. Bible study societies or other ways of studying the Bible together are a good help within the communion of saints. God gave us to each other within the communion of saints. He did not put us on this world as 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 millions of individual Christians who each for themselves have to study the Bible on their own, no, he gave us together as communion of saints so that we all may share in Christ and all his benefits. And also, if you don't go to the Lord's Supper yet as children, as young people, then it is also important to read the Bible and to study the Bible and to see the importance of it in your daily life. Because in that way, You need to prepare yourselves to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It doesn't come when you turn 18 or 19 and then you can make the decision, now maybe next year I want to celebrate the Lord's Supper, so let's start studying. No. It's a whole process of preparing for it. And you shouldn't postpone it unnecessarily either. So like I don't want to prepare for it, I don't want to change my life yet, so let's wait a few years. And as long as I don't make profession of faith, it's no problem. Yes, it is a problem. Work on it. It is your calling already from your birth to work on it that you will soon be ready and understand what it means to celebrate the Holy Supper as well. Your parents gave the promise at at your baptism to instruct you and have you instructed in this doctrine to the utmost of their power. Not to wait with it till you're 18 or 19, but to the utmost of their power. And therefore, in the same way, when you come at the age that you make important decisions for yourself, you have to prepare for it yourself. It is your calling which comes to you. And then if you do prepare for the Lord's Supper in the right way, then you will receive the strengthening of your faith by the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And But then again, Receiving the strengthening of your faith, then again you will be encouraged 
by the Lord's Supper to study the Bible again and to apply it to your own life. And so that, that circle continues. And that is how you will grow in faith. But without the knowledge of God's Word, self-examination is no real, <coughs> excuse me, is no real self-examination. If you don't know God's Word, then you don't really know God, the Holy God, who calls you to the Holy Supper. And then you don't know yourself either. Then you don't know your sin and misery either. We know our sin and misery according to Logic 2 of the Catechism from the law of God. From the law of God we know that we are inclined to all evil. That we are unable to keep God's commandments. And we only know it from the Bible. We only know it from God's own word. And if you look at, at the many in this world who believe all kinds of different things, then we will see that that many of them, they say that there is something good in man. Either man is good, or man still has some good in himself. And also when you see how politicians speak about prisons, prisons are not meant to punish people, but to correct them. Correctional institutions. But there are times, every generation, there are times that God shows to this world the real nature of man. If you go back in history, the Second World War, names like Auschwitz and Sachsenhausen are still very well known. They are not forgotten yet. Or the terrible acts that, that, that happened thereafter. It didn't stop with that. It continued thereafter, and, and then we see those terrible terrorist acts like 9-11 and, and, and more other, other terrible acts. Or we can look at those terrible wars in many parts of the world, in, in Africa, Sudan, and many other areas, or in Syria now at the moment. It is terrible what people can do, and how little they care for their neighbor or their well-being. But we should not say, well, those people are bad. No, there God shows us how we, how mankind really is. If we as human beings have the opportunity to do what we want to do, and we can listen to our own evil desires, then this is the result. That is what God shows to this world. And then God says, look now. You can see the evil nature of man inclined to hate God and his neighbor. But instead of saying, yes, God is right and his word is the truth, now many people say, well, no. If there is a God who allows this to happen, well, then I don't want to believe in that God. Or I can't believe that a God would allow this to happen, so there is no God. Well, there we see the arrogance of man. If everything goes well, then he says, look what we can do. Man is good. But if something terrible happens and man shows his real nature, then man starts blaming God. How can God allow this to happen? But man will never say, look how evil we are. Let us expect salvation from God. No, man will never acknowledge that that he is evil and inclined to hate. No, man wants to be like God. Already in paradise with Adam and Eve. And thereafter, every generation wants to be like God. Every generation thinks higher of themselves 
than the Word of God teaches us. And it's only through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God that we will acknowledge our sin and misery and that we will believe that we need salvation through Jesus Christ. From where do you know your misery? I know a misery from the law of God. God's Word, God's law, teaches us how we are. But then God's Word also teaches us how God is and Christ. And it teaches us what Christ did for us and what he obtained for us. And if we really know our sin and misery, then we will also accept that salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then we must indeed start with knowledge of our sin and misery. Otherwise, we would never accept Christ. If you don't believe you, if, if you don't believe that you have a sinful nature, that you're dead in sin and in misery, then you wouldn't believe that you need a savior either. And any human being who does not believe that he is sinful, that he is conceived and born in sin, will not accept Jesus Christ. It is in fact the arrogance of man through which so many don't believe in Jesus Christ because they all think they are good enough, that they don't need Christ, but they can do it, at least part of it, themselves. And for such people who do not want to know the sin and misery, who think good about themselves, for such people, God did not institute the Holy Supper. But only for those who are truly displeased with themselves, the Catechism says, because of their sins, and yet trust that these are forgiven them, and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ. And then our lives as Christians will be filled with thankfulness. Then it is not a burden anymore to keep God's commandments. But then it is a joy, a joy to live in everything according to the will of God, because we know that the commandments are good and that they mean life. Life that Christ gives to us through the Holy Spirit. Life that he obtained for us, everlasting life, through his death on the cross. But then if we don't examine ourselves, we will desecrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is instituted for those who know that they are weak and and need the strengthening of their faith. Those who know that they will lose the battle against sin if the Holy Spirit does not work in them and those who know that they need the forgiveness of all their sins every day again in Jesus Christ. And they can celebrate the Lord's Supper, and they will be strengthened by it. But in the meantime, the Catechism issues a strong warning for those who think that they are good enough from themselves, those who celebrate the Lord's Supper to show that they can be considered to be good Christians those who want to show to others their own goodness. Well, I'm good enough to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And also those who don't really care about their sins. Those who think, well, it's not so bad. Those who don't really examine themselves but celebrate the Lord's Supper out of custom. Remember that the the Lord's Supper is a holy supper. And who is not holy cannot celebrate the Holy Supper in a worthy manner. If you don't know your sin and misery, if you don't confess your sin and misery, then you are not holy, because you still carry your sins with you. Or you are a hypocrite. You do as if you are a good Christian, and you say yes to everything that the Bible tells you, 
Yes, to all that the, the elders ask you. Yes, to all that the church expects you to do. You're a perfect Christian for the eye of the people. You say, yes, I am a sinner and I need salvation. But in the meantime, you don't really change your life. You continue in a sinful lifestyle from before and you don't really hate the sin against which you have to fight. And if you fall in sin, well, oh well, there is always forgiveness. Well, here in church, and also before other Christians during the week, you confess your faith. You say that you're a Christian. But during the week when others don't see you, then you listen to your own sinful desires. You give in so easily to those temptations, to your weakness. Or do you really struggle with sin? Fight against sin? Hate sin also when nobody sees you? And then it may look like you are a very believing and active member of a church. But God sees what is in your heart. The outside does not necessarily mean that you are a good Christian, if the outside is good. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were also very active and, and very good in the eyes of the people, but not in the eyes of God. And the Apostle Paul had to admonish the church in Corinth. They came together every Sunday, and especially the richer members of the congregation were in high esteem. They were the important members of the congregation. Oh yeah, they were also poor people. They had to work hard, They and, and often they were slaves, and they could only come late because their masters did not allow them to go earlier and leave their work. So they came late in the evening. And in Corinth, when the congregation came together, then they ate together, and everyone took food and drank with him according to what he could afford. A sort of potluck, but then who were rich brought more than those who were poor. And everyone could eat according to what he needed, and in that way, they helped each other out, and, and the poor people received enough food and could enjoy a good meal, just as well as the rich people. But at a certain moment, the situation in Corinth changed. The rich people did not always want to wait until the poorer people came, and, and they already started eating. They were hungry. And at the end, it happened that the rich people bought plenty of food and drink for themselves, but they also ate it all, so that nothing was left for those who came late, the poor people. And then when those poor people came and they were still hungry, then together they had their worship service and they celebrated the Lord's Supper. And that was not the only problem. There were also different groups in the congregation. In the beginning of 1 Corinthians, there we read that the one said, I follow Paul, the other, I follow Paulus, and again another, I follow Cephas, and another, I follow Christ. You can read it in the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, this first letter to the Corinthians. Several groups which were standing over against each other, and they started saying negative things about each other, and, and they started slandering. If we can read in, in uh, as, as we can read in First Corinthians three, verse three and four, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, "I follow Paul," and another, "I follow Apollos," are you not mere men? Although they come to church every Sunday and they, they hear the word of God, 
It is preached to them every time again, but still they don't listen. They don't apply it in their own lives. They don't repent. And they continue with their sinful life and, and they're living in hatred towards their neighbor, even in the church. And they are hypocrites and, and those who do not repent. And they will eat and drink judgment upon themselves because they don't recognize the body of the Lord. The body of the Lord, which is his church, which is one in faith, the unity of faith. Celebrating the Lord's Supper, that means that you receive his flesh and blood as spiritual food and drink. And that means that you become one body with the Lord. You are part of his body together with the entire congregation. And if you celebrate the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, then you don't realize that it is the Lord's body and blood which you receive at the Lord's Supper table. And the body and blood of the Lord is holy. In Lord 28 and 29, the Catechism explains that bread and wine are signs and seals. Bread and wine do not turn into the body and blood of Christ. But still, you do receive the spiritual drink and spiritual food at the Lord's Supper table when you receive the bread and wine in faith. And it is a table of the Lord. He invites you at the Lord's Supper. And if you are not holy when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, then you are not holy in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible teaches us that that means that you will be consumed and destroyed by God's holiness. Nothing and no one that is sinful can stand in the presence of God's holiness. So you can't remember the death of Christ and at the same time continue in your sin. You can't serve two masters. For if you do so, then the covenant of God will be be profaned and his wrath kindled against the whole congregation. Well, And that is why Christ and the apostles gave the church the task to use the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And if a church does not use the keys of the kingdom of heaven, then God's wrath will come over the whole congregation. But if the congregation does use these keys of the kingdom of heaven, then those who profane the Lord's Supper will be withheld from the Lord's Supper. And if they continue in their sinful way of life, then they will be excommunicated. And with that, the church shows to them that they have no part in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, if they do not repent. So it is a warning to them. Well, there we see, in Lord say 31, the Catechism speaks about the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But, but there we see that if there is no self-examination, then the church must exercise discipline. So before church discipline, we first have to examine ourselves. That is what Lord say 30 explains. In self-examination, The result of self-examination is that we will celebrate the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, in a holy manner. But if there is no self-examination, then the church has to step in and exercise discipline. And the ultimate consequence of discipline is excommunication, if there is no repentance. And discipline must lead to excommunication. Discipline is a serious warning to the sinner. If you don't repent then you will be condemned with this world. Discipline is meant to bring the sinner back. As the Apostle Paul says in chapter 11, verse 32. 
when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. So the purpose of discipline is that we will not be condemned with the world. To save the sinner, so that he may repent and turn back to God, and God may be honored, and also that his supper table may be kept holy. So discipline is necessary if there is no self-examination. But if there is self-examination, then there is no need to be disciplined, as Paul already said in verse 31. If we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. If we rightly examine ourselves, then we will be holy. And then we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Holy through the blood of Christ. And then we don't have to fear God's judgment. Because then we are righteous in Christ. And that is what the Lord's Supper form also says. This all, that admonition is not meant to scare us off, to scare us away from celebrating the Lord's Supper. No. Those who are contrite of heart, those who examine themselves, they may, they must celebrate the Lord's Supper and they receive encouragement through the Lord's Supper, which is given to them as a sacrament from the Lord. And then we may celebrate the Lord's Supper as a feast, the foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.